But as I was saying, I'd ask Philip if I could introduce him because it would be a big honor of mine. I've known Pastor Austin almost 20 years now. He became my principal my senior year in high school. I will not go into that, but I'll just say we butted heads. And those are my only fights I ever lost in high school was against that man. But uh, I would not be here today if it wasn't for this man and people like him in my life. He, he was persistent. He was patient with me. And uh, I owe him a lot. So in April, I see you looking. I've already paid him, so he will not sell any stories. So you can forget about that. But anyway, it was my honor to introduce Pastor Wayne Austin. Thank you, sir. So proud of Jay. God bless you, Jay. It's so good to be here with you tonight. It's my privilege to be here. Uh, that was uh, when I was a Christian life. I, I was there for seven years, and uh, I kept asking myself the question, why am I here? <laughs> why am I here? But how many of you know, every, most of the time we want delivery, but God says development. And uh, if there's not the proper development, uh, then the delivery won't be what it needs to be. So a lot of times uh, we don't like the darkness, but thank God for the dawn. Amen? I told somebody joy comes in the morning. But sometimes it seems like it's long nights. But Jay, I love you so much. And uh, uh, but I, I'll never forget walking down those halls, and uh, I finally came up with the difference in success and significance. Success is what you accomplish, but significance is what you help others to accomplish. And I'll just never forget walking down those halls and uh, and saying, "Lord, just help me today to help one of these young men or young ladies." And uh, or help me to encourage a teacher. Help me to build them up and, and say something to them. Uh, the teachers used to get mad at me all the time because I called everybody angels. And one of the teachers told me one day, she said, Brother Wayne, you know all these students aren't angels. I said, well, there's angels of darkness and angels of light. <laughs> they know who they are. But uh, <laughs> I'll never forget, there's another young man that goes to our church at Healing Place, and I won't say his name, but uh, he went through the life for marriage class, and he's just, uh, God has done a marvelous jo a job in his uh, work in his life and transformed him and, uh, to be the very image of Christ. And uh, the night we had a little banquet uh, after we had went through the class, uh, I, I got to say something, you know, about him. And what I said was this. I said, this boy right here gave me the best cussing I ever got. <laughs> 
But, you know, I couldn't have said that unless there would have been a life transformation in his life. And, uh, you know, I'm here tonight. I just don't want to give you information. Uh, how many of you know we need transformation? Say this. God loves me. Say, God loves me so much. He will not leave me the same. You know, and, you know, I don't, I'm not here to change you. Uh, in fact, I tell people don't change. I tell people to exchange. Exchange your life for his life. See, Jesus became everything we were that we might become everything he is. He became sin that we may be saved. He became broken that we may be healed. He became confused that we may have peace. He became abused that we may have a future. He became every everything we were. So we need to live an exchange life. We need to let Jesus be our life. I'm, I'm looking at all of you. I'm old. I tell people I've done become old and bold and cold. But what I want you to know is this, is that you not only need to let Jesus give you life, you need to let him be your life. You need to let him think for you. When I let him think for me, I, I think good. You know, when I let him speak for me, I speak good. You understand? Look, I'm, I, like I'm saying, I'm just trying to tell you a few things that, that this person uh, at 68 years of age, uh, you know, uh, how many of you know you never arrive? How many of you know it's what you think you know after you know it all that really counts? So what I'm just trying to say to you is this. Not only let him give you life every day, Lord, I want you to be my life. Would you think for me today? Would you talk for me today? Would you make choices for me today? Would you make decisions for me today? And I'm just up here preaching and I'm supposed to be teaching. But uh, I just want you to know it's, it's just... Uh, a tremendous privilege for me to, to come. I had lunch with your pastor the other day, and he was telling me you were doing this series on uh, uh, keep calm and carry on. In fact, I have a cup uh, that my daughter had given me that has that on there, and uh, they gave them out, I believe, one Sunday at church. And it hit me when I looked. I always make acronyms and things like that. And when I study something, and when I saw the word calm, keep calm and carry on. Let me tell you, the only way you can keep calm and carry on, calm stands for this. Christ is always loving me. If you know that Christ is always loving you, then you can make it. And I want you to know that he loves you today. I want you to know that nothing can separate you from his love. I want to even be emphatic and tell you that not even sin will separate you from His love. It will separate you from His presence, and it may separate you from His favor, but it will never separate you from His love, for He loved us yet while we were sinners. How much more does He love us when we become sons? He loves you so much. And, and I just want you to know it's a privilege for me to come and to be able to share with you tonight. And, and I want to be able to give you something uh, that I really feel uh, convicted in my heart that I, I want every uh, married person or person that's thinking about getting married or whatever uh, may happen to you in a family situation, I, I want you to, to, to know what I want to give you tonight. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know when I wrote a little book called Life for Marriage, one morning about 2.30 I got up and I know the Holy Spirit gave me this. Most of our homes are cemeteries housing the dead. But God wants them to be empty tombs of resurrection and life. And I did not know that there was a level beyond resurrection. 
I mean, we baptize people, death, burial, resurrection, but we never usually say life. But I want you to know that Jesus in John eleven twenty five 25 said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he wants us to have life. And you know what I found out? And, and I, I'm just before I, uh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, just in a minute about a divided home. And, uh, and try to show you the progression of what happens, how you become divided. But I, I just want you to know that what the Lord has showed me, we know the world is bound. We know the world is bound. But what the Holy Spirit has showed me, even most of the people in the church are resurrected just like Lazarus, but we're still bound. When he came out of the tomb, he was bound hand and foot with a napkin around his face. I'm looking at people right here that have heard the call, come forth, and we've answered the call, but we're still bound. Maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some past, pain, a shame, strongholds, torment of the mind, something that's keeping you from moving forward. I always carry a little rock in my pocket all the time. And the reason I carry that rock is I want to always remember, always be a stone roller and not a stone thrower. I don't want to be like Mary and keep you in your present state of being. Leave him alone. He's been sick four days. But you know what I found out? Jesus did not take those grave clothes off of Lazarus. He didn't take them off of him. He didn't even roll the stone. He could have. He looked. That's two great commands he gave to the church. He said, roll the stone away. I want you to do that. But then you know what he looked and he said? He said, I want you to loose him and let him go to life. See, I've resurrected him, but there's a level beyond resurrection. It's life, and life stands for living in freedom every day. And if you're not living in freedom every day, you're still bound. But the Holy Spirit is saying to me tonight to tell you that I want you to know that he wants you to leave the grave clothes in the graveyard. So that he can clothe you in his love and his mercy and his grace and he can be your life. Amen? Amen. So let's just, you know, I told somebody the other day, I don't know if anybody has a church that has a, any looser ministry. I don't know if I want to get in your life, P. If I get in your life and start unraveling you, boy, it may stink. It may get deep. You understand what I'm saying? So most of the time we just leave people alone. But I want you to know that, hey, the Holy Spirit and God can handle your stink. <laughs> you won't make him nauseated. He loves you very much. And I'm just privileged to be here because I, I just want you to know I want to talk about life. I want to talk about life. It's important. What is your greatest possession? I am telling you, it's God's greatest gift and your greatest possession. You couldn't be here tonight if you didn't have physical life. And I'm here to tell you, in a marriage... You have got to have spiritual life. And spiritual life is when you let Christ be your life. My wife told me the other day, she said, I don't like Wayne. She said, Wayne's not coming home, is he? She said, I don't like Wayne. And I understood exactly what she meant. She don't like Wayne. He's selfish. He's arrogant. He's full of pride. But she wanted Christ to come home to her. I've got a little saying, a man can't live with a woman, a woman can't live with a man. I've never had anybody in my office tell me, I've had many of them tell me, I can't live with that man, I can't live with that woman. I've never had anybody tell me they couldn't live with Christ. And who are we supposed to be? 
to this world, the very face of Christ, the hands of Christ, the heart of Christ. So I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I know none of us will ever arrive, but we're all in a process of transformation. I tell people, if you think you're holy, you just hadn't had enough light shine on yet. Never seen a cherubim, a little bumper sticker says on the back of a car, God's cherubim of perfection. Never seen it. Never seen it. God takes a picture of sin, all our little faces in it. It's the only picture you won't look for yourself first. Are y'all with me tonight? I just, okay, let me get to right what I want to talk about. I, I asked myself, my wife said, don't you t- preach no eternal gospel tonight. She said, you just give him the point and get to it. I want to talk to you tonight about what I think Satan wants to do to every one of us. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to, he wants to, he wants to divide you. If, if you have your little handout, I'll try to stay right with it so we can go. Every one of you have a target on you. And I want you to know, listen to me. I don't know if you came in here and you think the person sitting next to you is your enemy. But I want to tell you, your husband is not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. The enemy is the world, flesh, and the devil. That's the enemy. A lot of times we get mad at the wrong person. But we need to get mad at the devil. So I just want you to know, in Mark chapter 3, the scripture at the top, I want to talk to you. All of you got a bullseye on you. I want to show you the progression of what happens and how we become divided And I'm really working down to get to something when we get to that E that's going to mean really something on my heart that I've got to give you tonight so that you'll understand this. Um, In Mark chapter 3, verse 24 through 27, a kingdom divided, say divided, against itself will not stand. And then what does it say? A what? A A home, a house uh, that is divided will not stand. Now, here's something here that I never saw before. And then it says, if if Satan's kingdom be divided, it will not stand and it will come to an end. Uh, Let me tell you something that I never knew. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this the other day. The devil, Satan, knows how important it is for unity. It just said that if his house be divided, it won't stand. We never hear anything about Satan knows about unity, but he knows he's got to keep all of his cohorts in the right unity also, or otherwise he'll come to an end. And we know their unity is world, flesh, devil, destruction, deception, doing everything he can. He's not in the pension squeezing. He is in the mutilating business. He is stealing, killing, and trying to destroy. But then it says this, that... The enemy can't come in, look at these words, he can't come in and spoil your goods unless he first bind the strong man. Unless he first bind the strong man. Now, let me tell you who the strong man is in this, in this passage here. The strong man is you. And you are, listen to me, you are bound or free directly proportional to your knowledge of truth. I want you to get this. First John chapter 8, 31, 32. If you are my, if you abide in my, if you are my disciples and you abide in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The only, the only truth that can work for you is the truth that you know. 
See, that's why we acknowledge fact, whatever it may be, but we hold on to truth. No matter what it is. But if you don't know truth, Satan can come in and bind us. What did Jesus do when he met Satan? He didn't use just his words, get out of here. He used truth. He used the Word of God. This is why this church is built upon the Word of God to give you the Word of God. Why? Because when there are situations in your life, you need to hold on, not to some cliche or some little happening or saying, you need to hold on to truth. I go to the doctor, I get a bad report. I acknowledge fact. It's nothing wrong with acknowledging fact. A lot of people say, don't acknowledge fact. That means you don't have faith. I tell people when you acknowledge fact, that means you're smart. If you're hurting, you're hurting. If you're broken, you're broken. There's two types of people in the world. Those are hurting and those that are hurting more. Those that are broken, those that are broken more. And what I'm saying to you, acknowledge fact, but I hold on to truth. But what if I don't know truth? I know God's Word says, with His stripes I'm healed. I'm confused today, but God's Word says He's not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. I sin today, but God said if I confess, He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. What if I didn't know truth? I would be bound. So that's why it's so important to know the Word of God. That's why it's so important to have it to be life and be life to you. Look at these three words that I wrote, divide. It means to separate. See, the enemy wants to separate you. See, when you got married or you you will be married or whatever, you were two, but now you become one. See, this is what you need to be. That's two fingers there, but really there's one. We're one. The enemy wants to get you back two. You see, and then if he gets you back too, then he, well, look what it means. It means to disunite you, to break apart, to cut off from the source. I mean, you know, if you cut your... Look, if I brought some roses in here tonight, boy, they would look good. Be, I bought my wife some roses yesterday. I believe I wasted seven, eight, ten, twelve dollars I believe it's $12. I believe I wasted $12. I don't even believe they're going to come out. I told her, I looked at them, I said, these things don't even look like they're going to live. I said, I'm buying you a hormone shot next time. No, I'm joking. But y'all get that later on when you get old. But uh, the point I'm trying to say to you, I want you to get this. It means to cut off from the source. How many of you know that a fish can come to a beach party and have a good time, but he'll die? And some of us, we think we're living, but we're cut off from the source. Jesus is our source. He's our life. Let me hurry. i got a lot to give you, and, and, and uh, my time is already running. Okay, cut off from the source. It means one becomes two. It, 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 then he said, I've got to bind you before I can spoil you. And that means to restrain you, to tie up. You know, that word dominion, to tie you up, to pin you to the ground. God's word says sin shall not have dominion over us because we're not under the law, we're under grace. Grace is allowing God to do what you can't do. It means bonds. It means, you remember what I told you? It means grave clothes. It means chains. The devil, it means I don't know truth. It means uh, prisoner, captivity. It means to encircle. It means no freedom. And then he says, I'll come in and spoil you after I bind you and strip the armor from you and plunder you and seize everything that you have. And you, I don't have to tell you, you know what your greatest possession is. It's life. But then your next greatest possession is your family. 
I mean, that's the only thing we can get out of here. I've never seen a hearse, a, 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 a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't bring anything out of here but your family. Now let's talk, and let me talk to you a little bit, and I'm going to show you the progression of what happens, and the enemy wants to divide you. The first thing that happens when we start the progression of division is we depart from truth. We depart from truth. You remember I told you you're bound or free, directly proportioned to your knowledge of truth. And I just wrote a few scriptures down. Romans 1.25. Romans 1.25, what does it say? It says, they begin to worship the creature more than the creator, and they change the truth into a lie. And it says in the last days, there'll be mockers that will come. You know what mockers means? They're going to try to rearrange truth. This is why it's so important that we know the truth in this day and time. And in our families, as I said, the enemy doesn't want us to know truth. It doesn't want us to know truth. It wants us to be bound. 2 Timothy 3, 7, in the last days, it says they will increase in knowledge, but they'll never come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the truth that we need to know. Is the truth about Jesus Christ and the Word of God and His love and His mercy and His grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.10, it says, this is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. They would not receive the love of the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.6. They would not receive it. John 5.40, it says, they would not come unto me that they may have life. I mean, the point I'm trying to say to you is the process starts when there is a, we don't realize it, but there is a depart from truth. We don't, anytime you see anything, I looked up the word, I was studying the word the other day, per, uh, perversion. And you know what the word perversion really means? To move away from excellence. I want you to know our God is an excellent God. Our God has established truth. But then we start changing truth and move away from being excellent. And we'll get to that in just a second. And then in Isaiah 59, 14 and 19, it says, there's truth, you have swept truth out in the streets. And you know what 19 is? The enemy is going to come in like a flood. But God said, I'll raise a standard up against it. And his standard is always truth. So the thing I'm trying to tell you, and I'm just going to give you this right out of my heart, and I want you to understand it, is that the devil wants to divide your family. He wants to conquer your family. He wants to destroy your family. And the first thing that happens is we depart from truth. The next thing that happens is our inspiration is gone. Then we start operating in the wrong spirit. I tell people, you don't need a carbon monoxide detector or a smoke detector. You need a spirit detector. You live without food 40 days. You live without water three days. But let me tell you, we are dead in three minutes if there's no air in this place. And the word for breath is pneuma. We're not breathing. We're dead in our home. What I'm trying to tell you, it says in Malachi, take heed to your spirit. Do you have this in 1 Corinthians? It says there's three spirits, the spirit of man, the spirit of the world, and the spirit of God. Let me just tell you this. Without the spirit or with the spirit will determine 
The Spirit will determine your mind, your heart, and your hand. If you have the spirit of the world, you'll have the mind of the world. You'll have the heart of the world, and you'll have the hand of the world. If you have the spirit of man, you'll have the mind of man, the heart of man, and the hand of man. But if you have the spirit of God, you'll have the mind of God, the heart of God, and the hand of God. And the hand of God will never do this. It will always do this. It will always say, I reach further than just this. I reach to you. I love you. So the number one, what starts the process of, di- of division is we depart from truth. Say, depart from truth. The next thing, we all start operating and our inspiration is gone. We're operating in the wrong spirit. Take heed to your spirit. The, th- the next thing is then all of a sudden our vision is gone. Our vision is gone. We depart from truth. We're operating in the wrong spirit. And then, you know what? Hey, vision does not mean, I mean when, you can, when your vision is gone, it does not mean that you just can't see. When I studied blindness, I found that it was fourfold. You can't see what you need to see. You can't hear what you need to hear. You can't think. You know what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this world has blinded what? It didn't say eyes, your mind. When you lose your vision and blindness sets in, you can't see what you need to see. I, listen, y'all listening to me? How many times? You know, we're not, we're not listening. We're not hearing what we need to hear. We're not thinking the way that's, we, now it's not thinking the way I need to think. And then it, it says in Ephesians, it talks about you've gone past feelings. Now I can't even feel. Blindness is the final state of man before destruction. Go back and read the Bible, and anytime you see blindness, get ready for destruction. Even to the last chapter in the, in the book of Revelation, when he talks about Laodicea, what does it say? That you're blind. By me, I save. I mean, if there ever was a time, listen to me, husbands, listen to me, wife. If there ever was a time that we need to be able to see what we need to see, this is why I tell people that, you know, don't let, don't let your love, especially before you get married, ever become physical. Because, hey, have you ever heard the saying, love is blind? Love is blind when you operate in the physical. It, it'll cause you. I had a guy in my office one day. I said, where do you work, son? You get married. I don't have a job. I said, love won't pay the utility bill, son. But he's just love. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is that, but boy, if you operate in the Spirit, you're going to be able to see what you need to see, hear what you need to hear, think the way you need to think, and feel the way you need to feel. So don't depart from truth. It opens the door to division. And there's somebody who wants to bind you and grind you and blind you. Read the story of Samson. And then we lose our inspiration. We start operating in the wrong spirit. That's not the Spirit of God. That's not gentleness. Then we become angry. Start being a lion instead of a lamb. Start saying things we shouldn't say. I, I knew I shouldn't have married you. You're just like your mama. I'm sorry. I was looking at her, but I didn't mean that song. And then the next one, the I in divide, we become insensitive. We become insensitive. What used to mean something to you? Now we become insensitive. Get over it. It's not, it's okay. It's not that bad. 
Let me tell you, men, listen to me. If it's real to her, it's real. If it's real to her, it's real. It may not mean like much, but I, ne- I want you to know we need to be sensitive toward one another and each other's needs. We need to be gentle. I heard a man say one time, always treat everybody as if the straw you put on their back would be the straw that would break the camel's back. In fact, I really believe you need to treat everybody every day as if they're dying. I went to the hospital the other day. A young lady was dying. I went in there. They said, hurry, the the vital signs are going down. We all ran in there and and they began, her husband began to tell her how great of a wife she was and the son told her how great of a mother and the mother told her how great of a daughter. Sister told her how great she was as a sister and it wasn't long she took her last breath here but her first breath there. I went home that day. I said, D, I learned something. Can't wait to tell D I saw D. D loves D. And uh, I said, Dee, I learned something today. She said, what did you learn? I said, I learned that we need to treat everybody like they're dying. I said, think about it, y'all. Think about it. What, it. what do you need me to do? Where do you want me to go? I've never heard anybody say anything bad about anybody. I'm glad you're dying. I heard, heard that. I mean, whatever you need, I'll do it. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to do anything you want to do. What if we treated everybody every day as if we're dying? How many of you know we're all dying? How many of you know we just don't know how much time we got left? So we're all dying. But what if we lived every day as if we were dying, treated everybody as if they were dying? This would be a great world to live in. What's bad, once you learn something and you start teaching it, then your wife calls you up and she says, look, I need you to go and do this for me today. Baby, I I can't do that. You don't even think I have a job. She said, treat me like I'm dying. (laughs) We become insensitive. And then the next part of D is we live in a denial or a denial of reality. Is how's things going? It's good. It's fine. I asked a guy the other day. I said, where do you sleep every night? He said, in the garage. And he had just told me everything was going good. I said, son, everything's not going good. You're not an automobile. (laughs) So a lot of times we say, well, everything's going good. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. And we live in denial. How many of you know there's no deliverance in denial? If you don't know where you're at, you'll never get where you need to be. If you don't know you're lost, you'll never be found. If you don't know you're sick, you'll never be healed. If you don't know you're confused, you'll never have peace. you got to know where you're at if you're going to get where you need to be. So it's very important that we don't live in denial. So we look at this, this progression. Number one. Oh, God, help us that we'll hold on to truth. I, I, I didn't give you that scripture. I don't even have it down. But I believe, it's, uh, I believe it's Proverbs 23, 23. It says, buy truth and don't sell it. Don't sell truth. Hold on to truth. It's the everything we got. Don't depart from truth. Don't lose your inspiration. Operate in the right spirit. Keep your, uh, have the right vision. Be able to see what you need to see. Hear what you need to think. Uh, hear what you need to hear. Think and feel. Be sensitive to each other. I mean, you know, my wife could have called me if she had a flat tire. If it had been 12 o'clock at night, I would have went out there and didn't even use a jack. Picked a car up and put the tire on. Take it. Now I tell her, baby, didn't I get you triple A? 
I got to work tomorrow. I'm sorry. People love to come to my class because I told my wife the other day I dropped a whole gallon of ice cream and it was liquid ice cream. It was homemade ice cream and we hadn't made it yet. <laughs> and I dropped it in my truck and half outside I come in and I told my wife, I said, baby, look, I dropped this ice cream, but don't say a word to me. Don't give me any, informa any information that I'm going to use in class on you. I had a blackmail. <laughs> she knows I use it. I'm sorry. But she's got a lot she use on me. I'm, okay. But here, let me get to the part that I want to get to. Once you depart from truth, you become insensitive, you become blind, and you live in denial, then excellence is gone. Remember I told you about excellence. God knows what He's doing. God's, God set in order a man and a woman to leave and cleave, become one flesh and be the very image of God and manifest God and create a godly seed. I mean, God had purpose. Isn't it good to know that we... You know the reason there's so much abuse today? Because there's misuse of purpose. Anytime you misuse anything that was designed to be used, it's, it's, it's abuse. I mean, if I take a screwdriver and try to make a hammer out of it, I've abused it. i never forget one time I was jumping on the bed. My, my, my mother come in there with the belt. I said, Mama, that belt's supposed to hold your pants up. She said, Yeah, I need it every hour. You know, and she said, but that, that bed's not a trampoline. You don't jump on that bed. You sleep in that bed. I mean, what I'm trying to say, misuse of purpose leads to abuse. So that's why it's very important to know how special you are. Say this with me. I am God's greatest asset. I said, Brother Wayne, you don't know me. I'm not that special. Let me tell you, you're the very image of God, and only the image of God can manifest God. Nothing God created can manifest God. No tree no ocean, no sunset, no Niagara. It can show you there is a God and we're without excuse. But you're so special to God. You're the only ones that can show love and show forgiveness, show mercy and show grace and show kindness. You have purpose and you have destiny today. And your destiny is not your destination. Your destiny is to be transformed into the very image of God so you can fulfill your purpose and manifest God to the world but don't forget your world. But let me talk to you a little bit about this is really what I wanted to get to. And I feel so compelled that I've got to give you this. And, and that is this right here about excellence is gone. And, and what is the more excellent way? We start letting our love just be emotions and feelings instead of commitment. How many of you know the emotions and feelings may not be there, but commitment should always be there. So always remember that. Don't operate just on emotions and feelings. Say this with me. There's no issue. No issue more important than the individual. You make an issue more important than the individual, the devil will start the process of division. He will divide you. Nothing is more important than an individual. We've got to know who that individual is. I've got to love that individual. Look, I'm going to tell you something very important right now. And don't forget this. If you can't separate who the individual is from what they did and did not do, you're in trouble. I don't care what your husband did. I love you. You're the image of God. You're just not acting like God. But I don't like what you did. And you separate the two. If you can't separate the two, you're in trouble. But let me talk to you a little bit. Not only excellence, is edification is gone. 
You know God's Word. It says, excel in edification. What if we as husbands and wives excelled in edification? In building somebody up instead of cutting them down. I was going to bed the other night, and my wife, she just looked, she was, she was laying on the couch watching one of them cooking shows, learning one of them recipes that we never try. And uh, so I, you know, I'm going down the hall to go to bed, and she just, she said, I just want you to know I appreciate you. I said, what? I said, what did you say? She said, I just want you to know that I appreciate you. It affected me so much. I, the next day when I got to the office, I opened up the dictionary to see what appreciation meant. It said to know the value and the worth of something all day. If it affected me, everybody I was seeing, I was telling me, I love you. I appreciate you. I was at a nursing home that day. The nurses was having a meeting. I just walked up in the middle of it. I said, hey, excuse me just a second. I just want you to know we appreciate you. I know your value and your worth. It's amazing what will happen when you edify somebody and when you build up somebody. I, I used to be a coach and a teacher and, 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 and a principal. I wanted to, to excel in whatever it was that I was in. But now I say, Lord, help me to excel and trying, trying to get somebody up. Most people are like sheep. They're cast. They're on their back. And I didn't know this, y'all, but let me tell you, when a sheep gets on his back, he will never get off his back unless the shepherd gets to him. And if the shepherd doesn't get to him, what will get to him, y'all? The vultures. And I, when I saw that and I read that, I didn't know what the word cast meant. He's on his back. And I said, oh God, let me today be looking for those that are on their back. Even if I have to look for the vultures flying around them to identify where they are, but let me get to them. But let me, let me tell you why I'm, I, I want to talk to this. Turn to the next page. The next page is really why it's on my heart. Are y'all with me today? Are you, let me, let me give you this. I want to show you this. Let me have that scale. Let me have that scale right here. I, I don't know about y'all. I hate scales. I hate scales. I was in a hospital the other day and I, I, I was walking down the, the hall and I said, why y'all got the devil in the hall? And the nurse, you know, where is he? <laughs> I said, is that scale over there? I mean, the last time I got on this thing, it said, according to your weight, you should be seven foot tall. I just, when I get to the weight I don't want to see, I jump off. I just, I'm sorry. But uh, this is why I'm here today. Say this. Say this with me. Marriage, Marriage. is a spiritual dimension. If you listen to me, you're not married. If you're not married, listen to me. If you don't know relationship, if you don't know relationship on this level, don't try to establish a relationship on this level. If you, if you don't communicate on this level, if you don't talk and listen to God, who's going to listen to a woman? Who's going to listen to a man? Man, let me just tell you, the Holy Ghost wears a skirt. No, I'm going to tell you that. Okay. But if you, if, you, if you don't know completeness on this level, you know what completeness means? There is nothing beyond to be desired or hoped for. Boy, if I'm complete in Christ on this level, now I'm complete in Christ on this level and there's nothing beyond ever to be desired or hoped for. Why? I'm complete. Marriage is a spiritual dimension. Never. Now this is, I want you to get this. Never let it become physical. And what I mean by physical is this, y'all. Giving each other weights you're not designed to carry. Most people that come into my office, the first thing they say to me is, Brother Wayne, I'm tired. Brother Wayne, I'm exhausted. Brother Wayne, I can't do this anymore. 
And I, be, I began to think, why is... I'm, I'm not concerned where you were. I'm concerned where you are today, okay? I kept saying in my heart, Lord, why is there so many divorces in the church? I mean, I even had a daughter 15 years ago. She went through a divorce. And I, and I said in my heart, oh God, you know, I have a saying, you're as happy as your saddest child. If your children are not happy, you're not happy. And I, it was like, I didn't think I would go through a divorce at 50. I mean, what she was going through, I was going through, it seemed like. But the, the point, I'm, I'm, I want you to get this, and I, I want you to understand this, what I'm trying to give you tonight on this. And, and this is so important that you understand it and you comprehend this, is that when I was, when I was going to LSU a long time ago and uh, in the 60s, I graduated from high school in 63. I went 63 through 67. I had a, a privilege of playing ball a few years out there, three years. Uh, my senior year was a year that Pete Maravich came. And they, they didn't watch us play. They watched him play, and they left when we played. You know why. But uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget a guy asked me one day. He said, uh, Brother Wayne, I'm working on my Ph.D. And he didn't call me Brother Wayne. He said, Wayne. He said, uh, and I need you to get a few athletes and I need you to do a, an experiment with me for my dissertation on my doctor's degree on weight and fatigue. They would have us weigh and then we would do exercises until I, I, I couldn't do them anymore. I had to do a Hartford step test as fast as I could till I couldn't get my feet. I had to do push-ups till I couldn't get down. And give me that big one. And then they gave us some weights and I'll never forget. He gave me 25 pounds. This is just 10. And I had to hold it. How many of you know there came a time I couldn't hold it? How many of you know I can even quote a scripture at this thing? I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that is in me. But there's going to come a time I can't hold it. And it's going to fall. What I want you to do, and I want you to understand this, in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says, Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What it's saying, what I'm trying to give you tonight, I want you to know you need to have a weight check. Every day, I mean, not every day, but at least once a week. You need to look at each other and say, have I put anything on you that you're not designed to carry? Because I don't care if it's a little weight or a big weight, eventually it will fall. I had a lady call me the other day. She just got married about six months. She said, Brother Wayne, he, my husband is, is, is this is, she said, it's really weighing on, she said, weighing on me. I said, hey, have a weight check. You need to tell him right now. And what I've done, I put these down. I wanted you to see these things so that you would understand them and I'll be able to speak to you a little bit so that you can see what happens when excellence is gone, when we open and depart from truth, insensitive, we live in denial and we don't have our vision. The next thing you know, excellence is gone and exhaustion sets in. And let me tell you, when exhaustion sets in, Usually, no amount, I'm sorry, give me another chance, I'll never do it again. It's usually, I'll give you some examples of that in just a minute. But what I want you to get, and what I want you to understand, I believe I put it on the, on the next page, 
Let's look at some of those things. And I'm going to be finished, but I just want to get this. When we don't cooperate, I mean, cooperate is pushing and pulling together. How I many you know that two can, can clean a house better than one? You know, two can work in the yard better than one. I mean, it's just, it's this day and time, everybody works. It doesn't make any difference who cooks, just fix enough. I mean, we need something to eat. I mean, what, what I'm trying to say, we need, and it, look, this may be one of the most important things because if you don't cooperate and then you put all the load on one person, the next thing you know what, I'm more tired. I'm more exhausted. We don't consider each other. You know what that means? Put each other first. A lot of people say, well, what about God? He's first. Well, let me tell you, God's first whether you make him first or not. But I want you to know when you love your family, that's one of the ways you put God first. And you show him that you, you love. He said, die for your bride. Let me go on this. When there's no communication. How many people tell me, we don't communicate. How many know no communication leads to confusion? It leads to confrontation. It leads to a catastrophe. But like I said, if you're not talking to listen to God, you're not going to be able to talk and listen to each other. So all of these things, you give each other a weight. When there's no compassion and sensitivity and there's no consistency. One day I'm in this thing. The other day I don't know if I want to be in it. I don't know if I want to stay. There's inconsistency. I'm up one day, I'm down the next. We give each other away. When there's no consummation, if we're not producing life, we should be giving life to each other. We give each other away. When issues become more important than an individual. When love is an emotion and feeling and not a commitment. We give each other away. When one cares, the responsibilities of both parties, we give each other weights. When we're absent at critical times, I needed you. I needed you. Where were you? We give them a weight. When there's immaturity and we create problems and we never consider the consequences for our choices, we give each other a weight. When we're always looking to the future to make up for the past. We give each other a weight. When change, watch this, y'all. When change is only a word or something you have in your pocket. That's what a lady I never forget told me in an office one day. She said, only change my husband knows what's in his front pocket. You give him a weight. I want you to get this. When you feel you have no life and it's only his life or her life. When submission is a woman word and not a Christian word. God's word says, submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. When you expect to be served and never to serve the other, you've given each other away. When there's manipulation and control and domination, you've given each other a weight. When you cannot express yourself or even give your opinion and you have to walk around on eggshells because you're scared to even open your mouth, you've given them a weight. When there's no trust, if you don't think trust is important, lose it. That's a heavy weight. When there's infidelity, you give a heavy weight. When there's unforgiveness and you keep bringing up the past. And now I know why you couldn't live with your first wife. Or your second, or you couldn't live with your husband. You know, what I'm saying, we keep bringing up. You know what the God, the Holy Spirit gave me the other day on past? If I bring up your past. Satan is using me or I'm Satan. Because Satan deals in the past. Christ deals in the future. 
You don't spell past, P-A-S-T. You spell it Satan. And you don't spell future, F-U-T. You spell it Christ. Christ says, I got hope and I got a future for you. When there's selfishness. Isn't it amazing that the end of selfishness is, the middle of it is a fish, but it's really a dead fish. Selfishness. Y'all heard about the man that's dying? He told his wife he wanted to be buried with all his money. She said, what? What about me? He said, give me my last dying wish. She said, okay, he died. She went and put a little box in, in the coffin. And the lady said, what did you do? What was that box? He said, well, he wanted to be buried with all his money. Said, you didn't do that, did you? She said, yeah, I wrote him a check. If he can cash it, he can have it. <laughs> I told you the Holy Ghost wears a skirt. Don't. <laughs> when we're in relationship but out of fellowship, we're giving each other away. When we constantly bring up the past, when we continue to try to draw nourishment from the ashes of the past, when we lay down the law instead of lay down our life. I had a man walk into my office. He said, look, I'm bringing my wife in here and I want you to tell her her body's not her body and she's supposed to be intimate with me every time I want to be intimate. I said, man, I ain't telling her that. He said, it's in the Bible, isn't it? I looked at him and I said, you know, you're doing a good job laying down the law. Why don't you lay down your life? And then she may surrender her life to you. When you point the finger, but never extend the hand, you've given them a weight. When there's no worth or edification, and we're always tearing down, we give them a weight. When we're critical and not complimentary, just like I told you about that appreciation, that just meant so much to me. I appreciate you. When we are negative and never positive. When secrets become known. After deception and lying. We've given each other a weight. I tell people before they get married. Don't have any secrets. You can get forgiveness before you get married. Better than you can after you get married. Don't enter with any secrets. And I'll usually look at the boy and say. Son you got two kids in Texas. You better tell her. <laughs> and then I'll look at her and say. You owe 5,000 at Macy's. Please tell him. You don't need any secrets. When there is addiction. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. The only, let me tell you, the only thing that should be controlling you is the Holy Spirit. That's why I say those grave clothes, they need to come off. Addiction is a heavy weight. It's a heavy weight. And let me just say this to the church tonight. There's a lot of prescriptive addictions that we need to be very careful with. And what I'm saying to you is this. Addiction is a heavy, heavy weight. I'll never forget. I had a lady one time and she told me she'd been married 42 years. One of the best Christian ladies I ever knew. And she said, Brother Wayne, I can't live with him another day. Can't live with him another day. Exhausted. Exhausted. A different man. When he was on those addiction, pain pillars, killers. He was a different man. She couldn't live with him. You know, the only thing to save the marriage, the man had a heart attack and died. She buried him. I promise you, she would have got a divorce because exhaustion had set in and they were not willing to do with this weight. Let me just finish. When, when there's abuse, when there's anger, nobody likes to live with a lion. When there's misplaced loyalty and priority, 
we give each other a weight. Let me, let me say something to you. I am, I'm asking each of you that are married, go home and have a weight check. Look at your husband. Say, I'm not trying to cause a problem. Look at your wife and say, I'm not trying to cause a problem. But is there anything that I've put on you you're not designed to care? You've got enough on you. You're the priest. You're the provider. You're the protector. You're the life giver. I, I can't put any more on you. And what can I do? See, let me tell you something. You, got, you need to identify the weight because if you don't, eventually it's going to what? It's going to fall. Eventually. I, I, I was The other day I was dealing with someone and, and, and exhaustion had set in. You know what the lady looked at me and said? Do you know how to spell done? D-O-N-E. Do you know how to spell over? It's over. It's done. It's finished. Giving them weights. Never had a weight check. What I'm trying to tell you, all I want you to listen to me. I've told you to have a weight check. I'm not, Brother Wayne didn't come here to cause problems. Brother Wayne, let me tell you why I'm here. Let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Men, ladies, listen to me. You don't want the weight to drop. Now, once you identify the weight, if I couldn't tell you what to do with it, I haven't been, it hasn't been worth a dime being here tonight. But once you identify the weight, you look at the individual, say, you know what? I love you. But you know, your, your mouth and your corrupt communication, I don't like demeaning me and putting me down. But I love you and I'm willing to take this weight and not put it in your lap. Because if I put it in your lap, I'm not going to like the way you speak to me. And I'm not going to like you and it's going to be division. But if I can take that weight, no matter what it is, and look at the individual. I love you. You're the image of God. But I'm going to take this weight and I'm not going to put it in your lap. I'm going to put it in God's lap. And if they love you enough to put it in God's lap, then you work with God and show them that that is not more important than them. Because I'm going to tell you, God can handle your weights. He said, cast all your cares. Lay aside your weights. And then God will take that weight and put it where it needs to be. Are y'all with me tonight? What I'm trying to say to you tonight is... The enemy wants to divide you. He wants you to depart from truth. He wants you to have the wrong spirit. He doesn't want you to see what you need to see. He wants you to become insensitive to each other. He wants you to live in denial. But he wants to get you to a place that you don't have excellent love, you don't edify anymore, and you've given each other weights, and now it becomes exhausted. And let me tell you, listen to me, this is very important. The exhaustion factor will even outweigh your spiritual knowledge. I'll never forget a, a, lay, a, a man. I told him, you can't gamble. You can't gamble. One of the strictest men I ever knew dealing with his family. Wouldn't even let him watch TV except he got little movies on House of the Prairie and stuff like that. And he started gambling. The next thing you know, he his occupation. He'd done convinced himself, justifying. It was an occupation. Quit his work. Hit a few jackpots. Then he almost got killed, almost got shot. I told him, Holy Spirit told him, his wife told him. They lost their house, they lost their home. They, the man today would give his right arm to get back to his family. But I'll never forget the words that she told me. She said, Brother Wayne, I know God hates divorce, but I know he loves me. 
Even the knowledge of what she had, she couldn't separate the two. Exhaustion set in. The point I'm just trying to say to you, and then the last D in divide is your dedication is gone. But what I'm saying to you tonight, am I making any sense to you? I'm trying to give you a revelation that, you know, I, I, I just feel, I said, Lord, I wish that I would have known this 40-something years ago. I wish that I would have been able to look at couples and tell them that in, in premarital counseling, the most important thing you can do is have a weight check every week. See what you've put on each other. And don't throw the weight at each other. Put it where it needs to be. Give it to God and let Him take care of it and love the individual and hate what they did or did not do because the devil wants to divide you, but God says, hey, I want to keep you unified for how beautiful it is for those to dwell in unity. It's like the oil that flowed off the beard down to the skirt. And then it says the blessing is life. The blessing is life. Father, today I just thank you for these precious people. Thank you for the privilege that I had to come here to tell them that God, the devil, wants them divided. He knows the importance of unity. And Lord, I'm just asking tonight that, that, that they will have weight checks. It's not a matter of seeing how much they weigh, but how much they put on each other and never move to the level of exhaustion. For marriage is a spiritual dimension. Never let it become physical. Father, I pray for every husband here today that they would say, Lord, I'm going to have a Galatians 2.20 experience. I am crucified with Christ. Yet I live, yet not I, but Christ. I pray for every wife here today that they will have. They will have a Galatians 2.20 experience. I am crucified with Christ. Not I that liveth but Christ. Father, let every husband and wife here tonight to know that they need to live with Christ. And they need to be Christ. How do we keep from putting weights on each other? Be Christ to each other. Consideration is not a weight. Commitment is not a weight. Consecration is not a weight. Change and compassion is not a weight. Appreciation and honor and respect is not a weight. Father, I ask you today, thank you, Lord, for lifting the heavy weights of sin. But all weights are not sin. But, Lord, let us give you all those weights and not put them on the individual, but give them to each other so that we can forgive as we have been forgiven, love as we have been loved, be kind as we have, you have been kind to us, be gentle as we have been gentle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.